You're listening to What's New with Wired. This episode is brought to you by ShipStation. You know, some things take a lot of work, like sending little robots to far-off distant planets. And just as that's challenging, so too is running a successful e-commerce business, especially when there's so much to do. So I want to introduce you all to ShipStation. Now, I love using ShipStation because of its easy-to-use dashboard, which makes managing orders and printing labels a breeze and super smooth. Oh, and the customer service is just out of this world. It's exactly what you need to help grow your business. Sign up for your free 60-day trial at ShipStation.com slash technews. That's ShipStation.com slash technews. This podcast is supported by Tools and Weapons, the podcast hosted by Microsoft Vice Chair and President Brad Smith. Each episode features insight you won't find anywhere else from the center of the conversation surrounding emerging technologies like AI. Right now on the podcast, you can hear a special episode where Brad Smith lays out Microsoft's vision for a vibrant marketplace driving the new AI economy. To hear more, follow or subscribe to Tools and Weapons with Brad Smith wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, this is the Spoken Edition of Wired. Powered by the Salvation Army, reminding you that only 39 giving days remain until Christmas. So please, join the fight to put roofs over heads. To give through Alexa, say, Alexa, make a donation to the Salvation Army. Or visit SalvationArmyUSA.org. Facebook Moves to Limit Toxic Content as Scandal Swirls by Issy Lepowski Mark Zuckerberg would like you to know that despite a scathing report in the New York Times, which depicts Facebook as a ruthless and selfish corporate behemoth, things are getting better, at least the way he sees it. In a lengthy call with Reporters Thursday and an equally lengthy note published on Facebook, the company's CEO laid out a litany of changes Facebook is making designed to curb toxic content on the platform and provide more transparency into the decisions on content. But perhaps the most consequential update is that the Facebook newsfeed algorithm will now try to limit the spread of sensationalist content on the platform, which represents a major change from how the social network traditionally has approached moderation. All of it is in service of restoring trust in a company whose reputation, and that of its leaders, has taken near-constant body blows over the past two years. When you have setbacks like we've had this year, that's a big issue, and it does erode trust, and it takes time to build that back, Zuckerberg said on the call. Certainly, our job is not only to have this stuff at a good level and to continually improve, but to be ahead of new issues. I think over the last couple of years, that's been one of the areas where we've been most behind, especially around the election issues. These words come a day after the Times published a damning report that portrays Facebook as not merely behind on issues of election interference, as Zuckerberg suggested, but actively working to downplay what it knew about that interference. It argued that Facebook's executives, wary of picking sides in a partisan battle over Russian interference in the 2016 elections, aimed to minimize Russia's role in spreading propaganda on the platform. The story states that Facebook's former head of security, Alex Stamos, was chastised by the company's chief operating officer, Sheryl Sandberg, for investigating Russian actions without the company's approval 
and berated him again for divulging too much about it to members of Facebook's board. In his remarks, Zuckerberg flatly denied this allegation. We've certainly stumbled along the way, but to suggest that we weren't interested in knowing the truth or that we wanted to hide what we knew or that we tried to prevent investigations is simply untrue, he said. Stamos, for his part, tweeted earlier on Thursday that he was never told by Mark, Cheryl, or any other executives not to investigate. The Times story also alleges that Facebook waged a smear campaign against its competitors through an opposition research firm called Definers Public Relations. The firm repeatedly worked to tie Facebook's detractors, including groups like the Open Markets Institute and Freedom from Facebook, to billionaire George Soros. Critics say that in doing so, Facebook engaged with the same anti-Semitic tropes that have been used by white nationalists and other hate groups that regularly vilify Soros. Zuckerberg denied having any personal knowledge of Definer's work with Facebook and added that he and Sandberg only heard about the relationship on Wednesday. That's despite the fact that Definer's often coordinated large-scale calls with the press on behalf of Facebook and its employees, and in at least one case, sat in on meetings between Facebook and the media. After Zuckerberg read the story in The Times, he said Facebook promptly ended its relationship with the firm. This type of firm might be normal in Washington, but it's not the type of thing I want Facebook associated with which is why we're no longer going to be working with them. While he acknowledged not having knowledge of Definer's work or its messaging, the chief executive defended Facebook's criticism of activist groups like Freedom from Facebook. The intention was not to attack Soros, for whom Zuckerberg said he has tremendous respect, but to show that Freedom from Facebook was not a spontaneous grassroots effort. Zuckerberg declined to assign blame for the tactics allegedly employed by definers or to comment on broader personnel issues within Facebook itself. He said only that Sandberg, who has been overseeing Facebook's lobbying efforts and who is portrayed unfavorably throughout the time story, is doing great work for the company. She's been an important partner to me and continues to be and will continue to be, Zuckerberg added. Sandberg was not on the call. For the umpteenth time this year, Zuckerberg found himself working overtime to clean up Facebook's mess, even as he wanted desperately to tout the progress the company's been making. In Myanmar, where fake news on Facebook has animated a brutal ethnic cleansing campaign against the Rohingya people, the company has hired 100 Burmese speakers to moderate content there and is now automatically identifying 63% of the hate speech it takes down up from just 13% at the end of last year. Facebook has expanded its safety and security team to 30,000 people globally, more than the 20,000 people the company initially set out to hire this year. It's also changed its content takedown process, allowing people to appeal the company's decisions about content they post or report. On Thursday, Facebook announced that within the next year, it will create an independent oversight body to handle content appeals. But by far the biggest news to come out of Thursday's announcements is the change coming to Facebook's newsfeed algorithm. 
Zuckerberg admitted what most observers already know to be one of Facebook's most fundamental problems, that sensationalist and provocative posts, even those that don't explicitly violate Facebook's policies, tend to get the most engagement on the platform. As content gets closer to the line of what is prohibited by our community standards, we see people tend to engage with it more, he said. This seems to be true regardless of where we set our policy lines. This issue is arguably what undergirds most of Facebook's problems the past few years. It's why divisive political propaganda was so successful during the 2016 campaigns and why fake news has been able to flourish. Until now, Facebook has operated in a black-and-white environment where content either violates the rules or it doesn't. And if it doesn't, it's free to amass millions of clicks, even if the poster's intention is to mislead and stoke outrage. Now Facebook is saying that even content that doesn't explicitly violate Facebook's rules might see its reach reduced. According to Zuckerberg's post, that includes, among other things, photos close to the line of nudity, and posts that don't come within our definition of hate speech but are still offensive. Zuckerberg called the shift a big part of the solution for making sure polarizing or sensational content isn't spreading in the system, and we're having a positive effect on the world. With this move, Facebook is taking a risk. Curbing engagement on the most popular content will likely cost the company money. And such a dramatic change no doubt opens Facebook up to even more accusations of censorship at a time when the platform is fending off constant criticism from all angles. Nevertheless, Facebook is betting big on the upside. If outrage is no longer rewarded with ever more clicks, the thinking goes, maybe people will be better behaved. That Facebook is prepared to take such a chance says a lot about the public pressure that's been placed on the company these last two years. After all of that, what does Facebook have to lose? Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more— and they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. 